morning, guys. Now, this morning, we've got Greg Reed on the show. He's been rejected by over 268 publishers, and he's co-authored more than 100 books, 38 bestsellers, directed a few movies, and there'd be a couple that you'd know of. Now, the reason that we got Greg on the show is because we're all about mindset here. We want to know, how did he keep his motivation and persistence to go through all those rejections? Greg, welcome to the show, and we're so happy to have you here. Well, I've been looking forward to it, as you know, for quite a long time, and it's a privilege and an honor to be with you. So let's talk about it. All right, reject it. So when you write a book, you do something yes. called a query letter. It basically says who you are, what's your message, why you're an expert. Yeah. And sure enough, um, I was rejected by 268 publishers because I'm dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> I can't spell very well and mm. I can't read very good. If you play me words with friends, you'll mm -hmm. win it. And so finally, the 269th publisher said, we'll do your book, but change the title, beginning, middle, and it really wasn't wow. So I got a ghostwriter. They recrafted it, went on to become a juggernaut. Okay. Awesome. And how, during those periods, did you actually keep up the motivation and persistence and not quit and not think, hey, I'm just not good enough? Oh, I was new. I, I, there's a whole yeah. difference between hope, belief, wish, desire. Yeah. I knew in my heart of heart that I was onto something. I just didn't know how to do it. And cool. so the whole idea is I go, well, what is the answer? So I mm -hmm. constantly ask the question, what is the solution that I'm not seeing right now? And all of a sudden those things start magically appearing. And it was interesting when I did that first book, it was called The Millionaire Mentor. Mm -hmm. right here. That was and the first book you were trying to publish. Is that correct? It was the first book I did. I was published in, and this is what changed my entire life. I'm trying to find one quote in there because it's interesting. This one quote, uh, mm -hmm. was shared 37 million times already. And okay. people like this, you've heard this quote. You've seen it on coffee mugs, T-shirts. You just didn't know it was my quote. Mm -hmm. It says, a dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal mm -hmm. broken down into steps becomes a plan. And a plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. Again, 37 million times rejected 268 mm -hmm. publishers. The moral is never let another person or yourself talk you out of what you know to be true. Okay. Love that. And where did you come up with learning about goals and and um, perceiving them as contractual contractual agreements with yourself? I, I was sales. I was like a lot of these people, you know, I believed in all the bumper stickers. <laughs> I believed yeah. in all the tapes and cassettes and seminars I went to. And if you think you can, you think you can't, you're right. Yeah. And I had one of those wacky moms who told me that I could do anything I put my mind mm -hmm. to. And I believed it. So okay. I never let obstacles stand in my way. I always just look for the solution. Uh, Bob Proctor and I did a book uh, years ago. It's called Thoughts Are Things, of how your thoughts become reality. And we realized that thoughts really are not things. It's only your thoughts backed by massive action. Mm -hmm. truth. If thoughts were things, I'd be a slice of pizza right now because I'm hungry, right? But mm -hmm. when we're done with this and I get on Grubhub and order some pizza, my thoughts become reality by the actions in which we take. Okay. There's a bumper sticker that says, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Or I can mm -hmm. learn everything I need to know about you people you hang out with. I honestly think that's bullshit. I believe I can learn every single thing I need to know about you by the position in which you're at. Because mm. if you sit there and say, I want a Lamborghini, but don't have a Lamborghini, it just means you don't want a Lamborghini bad enough. You weren't willing to do the necessary actions. Mm -hmm. So it's your actions that prove your reality more than your thoughts. So there was a lot of value there and a lot that you said that I want to dissect. One was Bob Proctor. Rest in peace, Bob Proctor. Um, he was a great man. Now, in regards to Bob Proctor, was he not all about the law of attraction or did we get it wrong? Well, he is about law of attraction, but understand this. We do not attract what we want in life. It doesn't work that way. We mm -hmm. only attract more of what we already are. That's it. 
Um, so we attract more of the vibrational level that we're, we're, we're living at at that moment. So for example, there's probably people that get in a bar fight like every weekend. I wouldn't even know like how to start that because that's not what I'm going to attract. That's not the energy I attract. Mm -hmm. On the same note, I believe that everything is infinite energy and knowledge and wisdom. So for example, around us right now, there's country music, rap music, and classical mm -hmm. music. And if we get a radio receiver, dial it into an exact frequency like 100.7, we pull it down and we can enjoy that music. Well, everything around us, abundance, success, relationships, everything's around us as well. But we have to tap the source and tune in to be able to pull it down just like that music does. And here's how mm -hmm. you do it. It's the questions in which we ask. The universe is just energy. So again, it's very literal like Google. Hey, Google, show me men's shoes. It's a billion selections. Hey, Google, show me men's shoes, color red, size 10 within a mile of my vicinity. It mm -hmm. narrows it down. So it's the specificity of the questions we ask is your frequency dial. So for example, for myself, mm -hmm. I say, how can it get even better than this? What's the solution in this challenge I'm facing that I'm not seeing? Who's on my phone? I can open up to my contacts and have a readily connection that I wasn't expecting. And all of a sudden those things start happening. But unfortunately, most people do the opposite. They say, God, why does this always happen to me? Hold on one second. This is why you dumbass and gives you more of it. Or they say, things are going good. When does this go to hell in a handbag? Tuesday at four. Those mm -hmm. are the questions they're asking. So if we switch that paradigm, all of a sudden you start attracting the things that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So to go back, because there's a big community of law of attraction people, and there's a lot of people who, um, they call themselves spiritual channelers, and they say that obviously your thoughts and emotions are powerful. And in order to co-create, you need to have a thought, feel a feeling, and take the action. Do you believe in those three components or are you saying the, the mystical does not exist? For them, that it, it exists. So again, that's the way they tap in. For example, if I was going to make a cake, it's saying, does a cake not exist because I make it with these materials mm -hmm. almost makes it with another? That's 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 horrible. Yeah. So the cake is a cake to whatever you want to do, right? So there's vegan version of cakes. I wouldn't yeah. eat it. There's a vegan version mm -hmm. of a cake. So okay. It's just a definition of what you get. So for you, it's about asking better questions. It's about taking action and being clear on you on what you want. Is that correct? It's specificity. I believe yes. the universe rewards massive action, momentum, and specificity. I'll give you an example. Uh, yeah. People that don't know my work, I get access to basically any human alive, right? And I get to interview them in books and films. Okay. And people ask how I do it. And here's my answer. Specificity. Everything I'm just saying. So if I want to get to the founder of Remax Real Estate, I don't call him up and say, I want to pick your brain. Mm -hmm. I want to take you to lunch. I want to buy you dinner. Mm -hmm. I want to be a contribution. That's, they don't care. Here's mm -hmm. what I do. Specificity. Hey, sir, I need 12.5 minutes of your time. I'll cover all my own costs and expense to get to you. From the moment I open the door to the time I leave will be 12 and a half minutes. I'll start a stopwatch. I'm going to ask you one simple question. Mm -hmm. XYZ. The chance of them coming from their office to the break room to do that is so high because it's Love that. and most people miss that specificity question, but that's how you get more yeses. I love that. I love that. Obviously, I'm not as busy as a Fortune 500 company owner, but when I do get requests such as, hey, you know, do you want to do this? I do prefer them to get to the point and say exactly what they want, get to the point, even when they're trying to sell me something. So, girls, if you're listening to this, that was a really good point out there. Yeah. So, Greg, um, yeah. But I'm going to stay on this one because it's great. Let's keep yes. on this. For example, if I'm on stage and there's 10,000 people and you get off, there's a long line. They want to take pictures and get autographs, mm -hmm. which is awesome. But they say the nicest things. How can I be of contribution? How can I be of service? I don't got 30 minutes to do a resume background mm -hmm. check. There's a long line. 
Yeah. Compare that to someone who says, hey, I love your speech. I saw your Instagram. You got a million followers. I make kick-ass memes. Let me send you one. If you like it, maybe you'll use me. Eight mm -hmm. seconds. I know who you are, what you do. You got my contact and we're in connection. That is what I'm talking about. The more that we can speed that process up, mm -hmm. it makes it easier to vibrate, to attract the people that you're destined to meet. All right. Fantastic tip. And where did you first learn that from? From who? Who was your mentor when it came to that belief system, that you know, knowledge that you have over there? Was it well, yeah, no, that's a deep question. I've had multiple I, mentors, and I believe multiple. everyone has multiple mentors. Okay. So you, you kind of hit a little... It's just an accumulation of knowledge over the years. Well, that and the trials and tribulations and yeah. experiences, and I realize that every time this happens, this happens, this happens. But I'll go back to mentors and, and coaches. Yeah. I have a real strong belief system since um, I'm a mentor on this one. I believe yeah. a mentor is an older, wiser sage, mm -hmm. someone who's just gone the path before you. And then a coach is somebody who you hire mm -hmm. um, to basically make you take action, follow through. So, for example, yeah. I go to my mentor and say, hey, I'm working on this project. What should I do? They give me the thing. And then you hire a coach to kick you in the ass to make sure you're doing those steps. Yeah. They're two different people. And I believe we should have multiple mentors and multiple coaches. Mm -hmm. I got a great tennis coach to teach in my backhand, but I'm not going to ask him about my financial literacy. And I'm not going to ask my accountant about my public speaking. And I'm not going to ask that person about writing books. So I make sure I surround myself with people I have respect for, not people I have influence over. Mm -hmm. Let me say it again. Surround ourselves with people we have respect for, not people we have influence over. Your life will never be the same. Love that. So surround yourself, girls, around people that you have respect for, not influence over. What did you mean by not influence over? Do you mean they don't have influence over you or you don't have influence over them? Well, how many times do we surround ourselves with yes people, you know, or ah. friends and yes. not? And it's easy for them to go, yes, sounds great. I'd rather surround myself. I'll give you an example. When my coaching mm -hmm. Uh, mentors. His name's David Corbett. Yeah. He's one of the best guys in the world. And I remember I've done presentations where I've crushed it. Standing ovation. Amazing. I walk off and he goes, man, you just shit the bed. I go, what? And he goes, dude, do you not realize that you did this, this, and this? I went, thank you. And you know what? I'm going to learn more from those little three tidbits of things I could have done differently than the applause because they're just telling me greatness. I want yeah. to hear things I could work on. And I believe that's where we actually grow and thrive from. And you once did quote, you did say, seek counsel, not opinion. So also be very careful who you seek opinion or counsel from. Have they done what you want to achieve? Or, yeah. you know, you're just asking your local neighbor who hasn't achieved the things that you want to achieve. So that was one of the mistakes that I made in the past, whoever's watching this, I'd seek opinion constantly about business ideas. And it wasn't the greatest thing. I should have been seeking counsel. So thanks for sharing that one, Greg. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, mm -hmm. successful people seek counsel, failures, yeah. listen to opinion. Opinions based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, or inexperience, like family, friends who've mm -hmm. never done about to venture upon. Counsels based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship, people pave the way. If I mm -hmm. went to a family friend and say I'm going to write a best-selling book, they're going to try to talk me out of it to protect me and keep me safe because I'm dyslexic, and they've mm -hmm. never written a best-selling book. But I went to Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. And he said, Greg, here's what you want to do. And gave me counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. Mm -hmm. We would spend our activity only seeking counsel and ignoring opinion. That's yeah. the day our lives would change. Absolutely. That's a great one. And I've definitely taken that on board. And we need to keep mindful of this, ladies. Um, next question for you, Greg. So you said the most successful people in the world um, are more likely to be unqualified to do their job. That's probably why they're deemed to be successful in the first place. Can we talk about this? As that was really interesting and, and intriguing to me. 
Okay, I go down the whole list, but it's it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. So for myself, as an example, I'm a world-renowned best-selling author, 140 yeah. some odd books and 140 now. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look at that. I got a star on the walk of fame. Mm -hmm. I can't spell. I can't read very well. I'm dyslexic. Mm -hmm. So I work my strengths and I hire my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, I guarantee you right now that Elon Musk is not riveting bolts on rocket ships to go to Mars, but he's surrounded himself with the greatest physicists and mm -hmm. the engineers to make it come to life. So you work your strengths and you hire your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. When I make movies, look, I produce amazing movies, but I never run a camera. I don't do catering. I never make yeah. costumes. I make a movie by producing it and bringing the right people together. And that is the secrets of abundance and success. Did you learn how to, how to produce the movie? Did you, did you have to do some training or was this just an intuitive thing? No, it was one of those things that I, I at first I was making these little cheesy documentaries mm -hmm. and trust me, I was doing my very best, but mm -hmm. it was a fluke circumstance. Uh, I was interviewing this gentleman named Frank Shankwitz and mm -hmm. he's a member of a nonprofit called uh, Make-A-Wish. Yeah. And I asked him a question. I said, Frank, what's your wish? And he said, no one asked me. I said, well, I'm going to grant your wish. What do you want? And he says, well, I want my story to be told into a movie. I said, well, I'll make it to a movie. I've never made a movie. So he signed over the rights and it took me years of trials and tribulations. But when it came out, we were up for an Oscar and we trended worldwide on all the different streaming devices and still out there today. What the moral be is, again, never let another person or yourself talk you out of what you know you can do if you surround yourself with the experts around you. Absolutely. And that's how you got the um, Las Vegas Walk of Fame star from that movie, correct? Well, I got that because Mm -hmm. I, I, that's a great question. I don't know why, because hmm, I guess accumulation of some things. But at the end of the day, we submitted Frank for a star. And while we were doing so, they looked me up and they said, oh, my gosh, you've done all these books. We should have you be a star. So that's how it came to be. Love that. Um, give me one sec. My questions are here. If you have a better way for me to edit this out, let me know if you do have a better way, Greg, in the future. So I don't have to keep looking there. Well, that <laughs> Just have a conversation. I mean, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but sometimes I've genuinely got things that I need to read, like things that I would forget. Mm. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, Greg, one of the one thing that I want to quote you saying is this. You quote us saying one of the greatest interviews that you did was with a name called Truett Cathy. And he founded a company called Click Clickerfield Restaurants. I and you asked him, I want to be a billionaire like you. What do I need to do? And he looked at you and said, um, stop planning so much. Can you talk to us about this? Because so many of us are planners and we're so strategic and this is a bit mind-blowing. So tell us what he meant by that. Yeah, I can tell they don't have those restaurants in Australia. It's no, we don't. It's called Chick-fil-A. Oh, no, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> how did I say it? Well, it's, it's, a, it's the world's first chicken sandwiches. And what's oh, very interesting is I said, man, I go, I want to be a billionaire like you. What do I do? And he goes, stop planning so much. I go, well, that goes against everything we we're ever taught. And he said, well, last year you had a lot of plans. How did that work out for you? And he goes, two years you had a lot of plans. He goes, you might hit a goal because you're scrappy, but I guarantee it didn't go as you expected. And he said, the secret is to look for and capitalize on mm -hmm. unexpected opportunity. I said, yeah. what do you mean? He says, well, if I'm on the sofa and I want to get to the end of the street and that's my goal, I have to get off my backside, take action, move towards my goal and look for opportunity. He goes, a planner is going to plan every step or they're going to pause, take a break. If a sprinkler comes on and freaks them out, goes against plan, they run back home. Not mm -hmm. me. He goes, I'm looking for unexpected opportunity. Did a kid leave 
skateboard or a bicycle out I could borrow to make my journey shorter. If a neighbor's driving by, I'll hitch a ride and hitch a ride to the end of the street. He goes, either way, I'll get to my goal. I just don't mind how it has to happen. And I realized that that is the mindset of the most powerful and successful people on the planet. They mm-hmm. have this ability, the goal, the destination, the dream, the desire, but they're not so caught up in the exact how-to to make it come to life. Okay. So in the world of, um, for example, e-commerce, digital marketing, content creators, that we obviously need to have, many of us, our brands need to have content calendars. We need to have schedules for our guests. We need to do all that kind of stuff. So obviously set certain goals, be organized, right? But um, also be spontaneous and look for opportunities, right? That's the lesson we're going for here. I do, I, 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 but I don't get caught up on all that stuff. So I, we, mm-hmm. we have different life, different mindsets. So mm-hmm. not me. Uh, what mm-hmm. I do is I go to bed every single night and I, in the wake up in the morning, I never set an alarm clock. I'm not one of those five o'clock people. I believe all that's a bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. I wake up and my body tells me to. And then the first thing I do is I give gratitude because I got another day. And then when I check my phone, I check my calendar to see what's on there for that day. And I don't know. It's almost like a surprise every single day. And it's the coolest experience. Like today I woke up and I saw your name on there. I went, woohoo, right on, right? Today's that day. And so by doing that, it's almost like a celebration and cool little things magically appear because I don't know what's going to happen because I'm working on projects. I'm working on books. I'm working on events. Yet the greatest things are like these that just pop up on the calendar, the unexpected little nuggets. Those are the, where the real relationships come from. Um, Greg, how do you and how do you organize yourself? Are you a Google Calendar guy? I know that you're you, you're talking about sponta- being spontaneous, but are you? Do you go off a Google Calendar? Do you have a? Obviously, you've got a VA or a um, person who manages your schedule and your social media. Is that correct? Yes. yes. So you delegate. It all goes together. So I have a Tia. So cool. Tia is uh, I call her my secret weapon because everything goes to her. So people reach out to me and they want to do an interview. Uh, basically, I send to her and then yeah. she filters unless I give a code word. So I make up a different code word every time. So I sit there and say, you got to say uh, pepperoni pizza today. And that means that she knows if there's a code word attached uh, that she can get right through and they don't screen you. And what mm-hmm. happens is that I got somebody to make sure that I'm using my time the most wisely behind mm-hmm. this. Board. Because if not, I just say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. But I have conduits to it. So yeah. that makes sense what I mean when I say I say yes to everything. It's yes and. I'm going to give you an example. Mm-hmm. If someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, I'd love to uh, have that 12.5 minutes of your time. Let's set that up. I will say yes and text me. Here's my cell phone number mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. on Tuesday morning exactly at that time and say I'm ready. That gets rid of 99.99% of people because you gave them an actionable step. They're all gone. And then that, that person who does text you that time. I say, great, I'll meet you Thursday at noon, but you have to bring two empty lobster shells and a baseball helmet. That gets mm-hmm. rid of the other 99.99. But the person who will text you at that 1010, show mm-hmm. up the baseball helmet, the chances of me having success with that person goes through the fold. But most mm-hmm. people waste their time giving their amazing content, information, wisdom to people that falls in deaf ears and they mm-hmm. never action and then we get frustrated and it sometimes pulls us back from helping the next person because the first one didn't take action and do something with it 100 percent. the reason i ask all these all these questions is because our audience we want to resonate with young females who are starting their startup journey and during the startup journey these are questions that we always have greg and not everybody at the, at the start has the finances to delegate out i delegated for years but that took a while 
Um, I do know that delegation helps. So I love what you have to share about being spontaneous. You know, I love that you don't wake up at 5 a.m. and you're not a 5 a.m. Um, club nutter like so many other people that preach that. I appreciate that flexibility. Yeah, and for anybody watching this, well, hey, delegation does help. Yeah, but I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to counter you a little bit on this. Yeah. I'm just, only because it's an open conversation. Right? Right, yeah. So uh, to say, again, not all of us can afford things. That's, again, mm -hmm. show me your where you're at and I'll tell you where, you know, where you truly are. I disagree with that statement wholeheartedly mm -hmm. because right now you can go to upwork.com or any of these things and you can find someone in, in uh, you know, the Philippines and pay them $3 mm -hmm. an hour. And to them, that's a great income. And they're very intelligent you know, human beings from Malaysia and China and all these different places that are even smarter than me. And then they will help me do those things. So there's yeah. ways to make that come to life. And if just one person comes through and helps you open up a door of opportunity, it pays for all that time behind. So I believe in being creative. And if that doesn't work for you, then go ahead and collaborate. So I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. I saw so many of these examples. So for example, when Income wasn't even coming in for me for a couple of years. I went to my ghostwriter said, hey, let's write a book together. Um, mm -hmm. Since it's not big dough, I'll cut you in on the back end. And then I went to my PR mm -hmm. person and says, hey, you're not doing much media stuff. I'll tell you what, you cut you in. And then when it comes out, we'll do a three-way split on it. And we're all using our resources and our, mm -hmm. our talents together. There's so many ways to do amazing things. We just got to start thinking that way. Mm -hmm. So it's about being creative. There's various opportunities, collaboration being one. Just be creative, ask better questions. Cool. Um, in regards to the $3 comment, yes, you can find someone for $3 an hour on Upwork, but it might take you a long time or even short if you're lucky. I find that sometimes, and this is just a Upwork.com comment, I find that the quality contractors are a little bit more expensive and their follow through, their consistency, their experience can lack. But yes, Upwork is a strategy for sure. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's an actual workable one. I'll give you a back to example. This movie, we're up for an Oscar. Here's some people go, how'd you do it? Well, I didn't know how to get started, so I knew I had to get a screenplay. So I took an ad on a secretive website that no one's ever heard of called Craigslist. And for $25, a guy answered the ad, wrote the screenplay, directed the movie, produced it with me, and we won awards around the world. The for $25? Exactly. So I, I, I dollars. That's crazy. and say, I can't, I can't afford, it's just a bunch of crap. It's just, they're not willing to. So again, okay. if we have a goal and we set our intentions, we say, okay, how can I earn an extra hundred dollars this month? Somehow, any way I can, an extra hundred dollars. Maybe I mow someone's lawn or I watch them Absolutely. kill something. And then that money is set aside. So then the next month you have a hundred dollars to hire this mm -hmm. VA for $3 an hour for 30 hours mm -hmm. you do it. There's yeah. ways to do it. Again, you can't say we don't want it. We just have to do what it's willing to take. Very valuable indeed. There is always a way and there's always ways to make money. You can spend less of eating out, you know, put it towards your, you know, goals. So yeah. Um, you said that your greatest success is always one step away from failure. Do you remember quoting that? And what did you mean by that? Well, I quoted Napoleon Hill who said that. Oh, I so love that. Our greatest success and accomplishments will always come just one step beyond yeah. our greatest step back in failure. So when you're going through your challenging times, woohoo, great news, you're in good company. But more importantly, this too shall pass. Understand this. We have overcome 100% of all the challenges we've faced so far. As long as we're living and breathing, we've so far overcome 100% of the challenges yeah. and obstacles. So if you're batting 1,000% and every single time you have success, then why would we freak out and get scared when another mm -hmm. obstacle comes our way? I believe we're evolutionary animals. 
every yeah. time I've got, you know, divorced, I met a better wife. Every time I crashed okay. a car, I got a better car. Every time I've been kicked out of a house, I got a better house. So whenever things fall apart for me, I'm that weird guy who goes, woohoo, man, I must got something kick ass mm -hmm. behind me because that seems to be the ebb and flow. I love that. And um, have you ever been through a hardship in your life where you experienced, you know, being down for a little while and you had to pick yourself up or was that not part of your reality? Uh, yes. And the same situation. We all have these challenges. We all have these obstacles. Look, I was turned down 260 times from a thing. Mm -hmm. I years to make a movie. None of us easy. I don't have a, I don't have a easy story. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I, one, you can look at all the wards and all stuff. Nothing came easy. So a hundred percent of it. I just don't focus on that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I'll give an example of skiing. Mm -hmm. If I'm on top of the hill and I want to get down to the clubhouse, I already know there's moguls, there's snowboarders, there's black ice. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I fall down, I already expected that. I just get back up and keep going. But most people call ski patrol and they get a ride down and they quit. Not me. Yeah. I look, first there's a dream, then there's the challenge, and then comes victory. Most people quit in the challenging times. Um, I'm a big fan of Dr. Joe Dispenza, and I like the way he talks about, you know, and Tony Robbins priming yourself in the morning. Do you particularly have a priming strategy for your psychology in the morning? Yeah, uh, like I said, gratitude. That's my biggest gratitude. Thing. So I wake up, and the first thing that pops out of my my mouth is "Good morning" and "Thank you." Uh, that's the very first thing I do, and then I I relax for a couple minutes, and then I get up, and like most people, I check my phone. I see what my yeah. day is ahead of myself, and I relax my 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 brain by doing weird stuff. The first thing I do is I probably get caught up in my chess with friends and work with friends games because my brain gets going. And then from there I start my day. So I probably don't even get going for an hour just playing games and people think that's crazy. However, I believe how you play games is how you play life. So if you come to my home, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put a ball, a Frisbee, uh, something in your hand to see how you react because that's how you are. What are you going to do? Are you going to step up and participate? Are you going to be too good? Are you going to complain about it? Are you going to break the rules? Are you going to cheat? So I think you can learn more about someone's true character and behavior in the first 10 minutes of doing something like that than other activities. Sure. Great. Different point of view. I haven't heard that one before. And what kind of a game player are you when it comes to games? Are you a competitive game player? Are you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We have a giant championship, six pound WWF belt created just for the house. Uh, nice. and, and, and yeah, the whole idea is you have to win three activities, whoever wins the belt and the yeah. belt holder picks the three activities and anyone can challenge for the belt, but you have to win all three. And if you do, then you get to be the belt winner. And then everyone comes and competes. So anyone that's watching this that wants to come fight for the belt, come do it. And my three games are always the same. It's shooting a game of pool, it's Frisbee golf, and it's throwing the football, the first person to drop it. So those did are my you ever win, Did you ever end up winning that belt back from the guy that you lost it to recently? Of course. You did. Good on you. I got it back and I've had it for three weeks. So what's the belt? Where is it? Oh, it's in the other room. And then my yeah. son, he yeah. had it for three weeks. I couldn't beat him because oh, wow. the games he picked, he's only 10 years old. He started picking all these online games like Fortnite that he kicks ass in. Yeah. I don't know how to play. So he's pretty smart. He's diligent. Well done. Right games, yeah. Um, I read somewhere that your your son walks around and he says something very empowering and positive. Um, he says his name followed by, I can do whatever it is that I put my mind to. Am I quoting it wrong? What, what, what did you quote him say, going around saying? Well, he actually, uh, when he was a kid, 
I yeah. think seven. He had the number one album on Amazon. Nice. So he had wow. the number one album on Amazon, and it's all his mantra. Uh, so his mantra before he goes to bed, he says, "My name's Colt. I'm happy. I'm powerful. I'm brave. I'm wise. I'm worthy. I'm successful. I help." People. That's awesome. My name's Colt, and it was really interesting because now lately we just went to Vegas for this mm -hmm. NFT convention, and people kept coming up and go, "What do you do?" And he goes, yeah. "I'm a Bitcoin investor." <laughs> went, How old is he? Ten. Now Good on him. Yeah. So did you did you guys teach him how to do these positive affirmations from a very young age? Yeah, well, it's it's just our it's who we are. I don't think we. Him. I think he saw it. And so it's like one of yeah. those things. Look, I don't act like yeah. Greg. I am this. This is me. Yeah. As soon as we turn this up, same. Before you and I did this call, same. Mm -hmm. Always the same. So this just says when you show up as your authentic self, you don't have to try to be anything. You're just being. So um, I believe being in that energy of what's possible. Yeah, uh, it just rubbed off on him. Absolutely. And Greg, would you classify yourself as an extrovert or in between? When you got to get on stage, do you pump yourself up or are you sometimes enjoying quiet time and time by yourself and, you know, going to your show? Well, without, I don't think we labeling it's a good thing for me. I'm yeah. both. I mean, we're all human, right? So, sure, yes, we are. Like being alone. Sometimes I like being alone. I, I will tell you this like, tonight, I'm uh, on my calendar, there's some dinner party with mm -hmm. people I don't know. So, I feel yeah. a little uncomfortable going over to a party that with people I don't know. Yeah, it's, okay. It's not my normal thing. But if I go to an event and there's 10,000 people, but I know I'm going to be on stage, I'm pretty confident. Uh, Thanks for sharing that. I love talking about um, humans and vulnerability that everybody goes through. Not everybody feels like, you know, going to a dinner party, meeting strangers all the time. So it's good to see a different side of yourself and other guests as well. Yeah. And it's it's really interesting because stage Greg is this phenomenal guy. I mean, mm -hmm. I would like to be stage Greg. Please talk to us about how you got into the public speaking and the stage, stage Greg. We'd love to know. Well, stage Greg is a act, I'll call it, that I perform, right? It's kind of like a monologue or a play. If mm -hmm. you go to the, uh, you know, West Side Story, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. when it's that or that person. So on stage, <clears throat> I'm a character, I, I like to say, where I mastered my presentation and it's mm -hmm. so fun. It's hard to explain how much enjoyment I get from being on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, but then off stage, it's this, it's just normal Greg. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because a lot of time people will fall in love with that stage Greg who's jumping on tables and running around mm -hmm. and being this crazy person. And then at dinner, I'm not jumping on the table going, believe in your dreams, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's two different things. Mm -hmm. But when you're a speaker, I'll give you a couple little tips. Number one, if you ever see me on stage, you'll notice mm -hmm. that different colors yeah. like yellow and red and things mm -hmm. like that and people wonder why then they think i'm trying to be flashy and i'm not the reason is is that the backdrops are always black yeah. and most people wear black suits and they become a talking head on this thing so i realized by wearing yellow or anything different as soon as i walked out i popped off the stage mm -hmm. and all of a sudden people felt it like uh, attracted or connected with me mm -hmm. and, oh this is brilliant so I started adopting that every time I speak. And then Les Brown taught me a great trick when it comes to speaking. So he <laughs> pretend this is a microphone. He says, most people you can tell an amateur is they hold the microphone and they go like this and they talk into it. You're blocking your face. You're not connected with the audience. So what he does is he holds it at the end of it and then he holds it out here. <laughs> so when he's having a conversation, you can see everything in the mannerisms. You can still hear it, but it keeps it away. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, like that. so every time I go do a presentation, I walk the stage, I show up early and I'll walk the stage before anyone's there. And the reason I do that, I want to see if there's a squeaky area and I'm going to avoid it. <clears throat> I see where the spotlight's hitting the hottest spot. So when I want to make my greatest point, I step into that thing. Mm-hmm. So I could be running around the audience, but if I want to talk about getting the right mentor, I'll be jumping right up on stage. And as soon as it is, boom, boom, boom. And you got to have that mentor because mm-hmm. that's what that to set in. It's a little nuances, but most people don't treat this business as a profession. Mm-hmm. They treat it as a hobby where I actually do it because it's my job. Yeah. When was the first time you ever done a keynote, <clears throat> keynote presentation or a speech, a, um, a talk on stage? When was that? And talk us through it, please. 2001. What mm-hmm. happened was I was dating a gal and she was going to UCSD and mm-hmm. their speaker dropped out last minute. And I happened to be 10 minutes away from the thing mm-hmm. that you come in because I owned a business that was very successful. And I said, sure, I'll come in and talk to the kids. Mm-hmm. And they liked it. And they started passing me around like a joint at a Grateful Dead concert mm-hmm. with all the different colleges. And I went, wow, this mm-hmm. is cool. And finally, one kid came up to me and said, man, you should write a book. I go, that's a great goal. I've never read a book. (laughs) So that became the quest of the 268 rejections Mm. from doing my first speaking engagement. What did you talk about on stage that day randomly? Can you remember? Sales marketing. Yeah. Well, I own an advertising corporation called WorldSmart. And what happened is I grew it from just an idea to a multi-million dollar brand. And I ended up selling it when I was 39 years old. And people wanted to know how I did it. You know, what was the, the blueprint? And I kept sharing that I would go to these uh, seminars. Mm-hmm. I would listen to these tapes. I would actually embody the information and did something crazy, apply the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I, let, I met Les Brown, I said, Les, I go, give me one nugget, just one thing I can do different in my career. And he did. A month later, I hunted him down and said, Mr. Brown, I met you a month ago. I asked for a nugget. You gave it to me. I did it. What should I do next? Hmm. The chance of him giving me the next nugget was 100% because he was so shocked that someone did something like that. Yeah, That's how you honor your mentors, by yeah. following through and doing something. Absolutely. How did you meet Les Brown and when did you meet Les Brown? Back that time, 2001, something yeah. like that. He was my idol. He was like... Uh, he was like the like an icon to me. And what's funny is is you know he ended up uh, doing the baptism of my son and did the toast mm-hmm. of my wedding. I mean the guy was you know now mm-hmm. he's it's so interesting because he and I because you can become peers over the years and things of this nature. But I learned so much from from Les. And I'll give you the greatest Les aha from me. Yes, please. What it is? I was on stage one time, and again it was a really I thought a good presentation standing ovation and i i went like and i walked off stage and he was standing there and he goes don't ever do that again and i went why i go standing ovation. he goes no he goes they were honoring you and you just walked off going like oh like this he goes you just dismissed them he goes that applause is not for you he goes that applause is for them because you just impacted their lives and then i watched him from the wings he went out and did his presentation a double standing ovation for him obviously and at the end of it, he stood there and he had his hands out like this. And he went, thank you. Thank you. No. He, he, he just stood in that. And he came walking off and he goes, that's how you honor the audience. That's deep. And that's a great tip for all of us to remember. Absolutely. Um, besides for Les Brown, Greg, who are the most influential people that you've met in your life? Or, you know, the most influential, they'd be alive or dead? Well, I think we should back up a little bit. For those mm-hmm. of you who don't know my work, my name's Greg. So I, like I said, I've been publishing a boatload of books, but 
the main one people know me from is in 1908, Napoleon Hill wrote this book called Think and Grow Rich. And he got yeah. to the richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie, and gave him an opportunity and a letter of introduction to meet all of his friends and wrote the 20th bestselling book in history. A hundred years later, the Napoleon Hill surviving family and the foundation gave me the same type letter. And so I have a ticket to meet any human alive. And so I write the Think and Grow Rich series through the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And so basically, I've met everyone from the greatest politicians down to movie stars, down to anyone you can think, mm -hmm. private Skypes with Edward Snowden while he's hiding in Russia to just amazing human beings. And to pick that is kind of like picking your favorite child, but I'll give mm -hmm. you like my Thank one that comes to mind. His name was, uh, or still is, Steve Wozniak. And mm -hmm. he started Apple Computer with Steve Jobs. And I said, why did you two have so much success? And he said, we embraced our lack. And what do you mean? He goes, most people run from what they don't have. We ran yeah. toward it. And he said, when these little microchip processor things came out, they were so expensive. Jobs sold his car. I sold my calculator. We pooled our money to buy one. He goes, mm -hmm. but Hewlett Packard would make machines that go from point A to B with like 20 chips. They had all the money of God. Mm -hmm. He said, so I'd pull away five and I get it to work with 15. And I'd pull away five, get it to work with 10. Eventually, I figured out how to go to A to B using our one chip. He goes, we were not trying to be innovative or cool. We yeah. could afford one chip. He goes, but by embracing that opportunity, I found the shortest, cleanest path. And by doing that, we changed the way people do personal computing for the rest of the world, for the rest of their life. He goes, where could you be right now in your own business? If you stop looking at something as your greatest challenge and obstacle, but it could just be your greatest blessing and opportunity in disguise. Yes. That's awesome. Okay. Fantastic um, wisdom to take on board. Just look at the situation from a different light rather than a problem, right? That's right. Or am I... Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. the guy who invented the credit card magnetic strip, Ron Klein. Mm -hmm. Same thing. He says, look, there's an inertia, dream, challenge, victory. Yeah. Everyone goes up in the middle. He goes, look for the solution and then find the conduit to make it happen. It's it's really, it's, everything's simple if you when you break it down, but people complicate it. I remember meeting this one guy, uh, Brian. He's a billionaire when I read this book. And I said, how did you make all your money in dirt? And he said, time plus land is wealth. I go, what do you mean? He goes, all I do is look for a town that's growing at 25%. He goes, go on Google Maps. You can find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. He goes, I find Main Street, Broadway, and I go out eight miles and I buy the dirt. I rent the dirt to farmers. They pay the lease so I get free land and I get vegetables for years. As the town continues to grow at 25%, it ends up on my plot. Since I'm on Broadway, Main Street, and I own the biggest amount of land, mm -hmm. I resell it to the big box stores for 800 times what I paid, a billion dollars. I love that, guys. It's, it's just about being strategic and creative and um, not looking not looking at things as limitations, just looking for opportunities. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for sharing for that. Absolutely. All right, Greg, for everybody who doesn't know, can you please tell us what Secret Knock is all about, the event that you organize with Forbes Inc. magazine, especially for people out here in Australia who don't know? Yeah, so Secret Knock is a kind of combination of all the amazing people that I've met along life's journey. So when I'm writing all these books, people said, how do I meet your friends? So I started this event in my living room with 12 people mm -hmm. and it grew exponentially and Forbes Inc entrepreneur success ended up calling it like the top 10 event in mm -hmm. the entire world for entrepreneurs. And we have the greatest tagline. We're the greatest event you cannot attend. <laughs> you have to know mm -hmm. somebody to get invited. You have to go fill out an application. And even when you do, you got to pay three grand to go. And I will mm -hmm. not 
tell you where it is, who will be there, nothing, just hmm. the state and the date. And that's all. And by doing that, we've attracted the most amazing, positive, mm -hmm. like-minded people mm -hmm. uh, you could ever imagine. So we've done, you know, uh, just amazing human beings. Mm -hmm. This last one we just did a few months ago. We yep. had seven-time astronaut Scott Perzinski come that's walked mm -hmm. in space. We've had Carol Baskin from the Tiger King mm -hmm. talking about animal conservation. We bring in the founder of E! Entertainment all the mm -hmm. way down to you know, Naveen Jain, who's got yep. their likes to go to the moon. It's just phenomenal people. Mm -hmm. And what's the goal over there? What do you guys do? We don't have a goal. Uh, basically, okay. we have one rule, be cool. Uh, what we do is bring people from all walks of life, business, uh, finance, yeah. uh, entertainment, health, wellness. And we just share our secrets and go, look, this is what nice. I want. Yeah, if you want to get into this thing, this is it. Most people, you go to these events and it's just all air and they sell yeah. you stuff in the back of the room. We're the opposite. Yeah. Uh, what we do is we sit there and say, look, if you want to learn about Bitcoin mining, here's a person who actually has Bitcoin mm -hmm. devices and this is how we do it. And this is exactly how you hook up the computer and here's how you print it and there's what you do. And so we believe in surrounding yourself with the actual source. Mm -hmm. If you want to start a clothing line, here's a guy who did Ugg boots. If you want to Love do this, that. here's somebody who did it. And by doing that, you jump to the front of the line. Kind of like uh, yeah. Steve Sims. It's the same concept, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and you did. I did read somewhere that where you said association is so important. Who you surround yourself with, and who you associate with, and for that very reason, right there, right, you can learn a lot from someone who's already done it before. As long as you apply it, again, associate oh, yeah. means nothing unless the application. Again, yeah. I, I believe it's the action in the law of attraction. Think it, feel it, get off your backside, take action and do it. We've all had a million dollar idea in the shower. And by the time we brush our teeth, it's down the drain, only to see it on a billboard 10 years later saying that's my idea. The only difference between the two is one took action towards it. But the thing that holds people back is their bad case of the once eyes. That means mm -hmm. I make action once I get the kids out, once I get a break, once I get the money. You cannot let your big butt hold you back. Not the mm -hmm. one you Everyone sits there and says, I'd go do that too, but. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's one lesson that you've learned along the way on your entrepreneurial journey? One thing that you learned in particular, it could be, a, it could be, I don't like the word failure, but it could be from a mistake that you made or a failure you had and something, a wisdom that came from it that you can share with others. Yeah, CPC, okay. CPC, clues, patterns, choices. I wish I would have mm -hmm. learned this when I was 20 years yeah. old. It's about accountability and responsibility. Everything that happens, it's your fault. And the mm -hmm. moment we change that mindset, everything starts coming our direction. And it works like this. Let's say I go out on a first date and the woman happens to be 20 minutes late. Anything could happen, but there's a little red flag. That's the first C. It's called a clue. And let's say I continue to go out with her. And on the 10th, 20th date, every time she's 20 minutes late, that forms a P, which is called a mm -hmm. Now it's my C, my choice, whether I deal with it, I yell, I break up with her, or I just tell her a different time, but it's not her fault. She's just late. Stop trying to change people to mm -hmm. fit into your own paradigm box. Newsflash, no one wants to be changed. Mm -hmm. But we'll see someone with a bad reputation in business. They cheat your best friend. You do business thinking it'll be different. When things go wrong, we're mad at the person. We saw the clue. We saw the pattern. We made the choice. It'd be like seeing a rattlesnake rattle, bite your kid's sister. You go to pet it, get bit, and you're mad at the snake. Looking back in life, we will never be angry at relationships that failed or negotiations that fell through. We're mad at ourselves because we stayed in too long. We saw yeah. the clues. We followed the patterns. 
but we made our choices late. And relationships or not, hold yourself accountable. Absolutely. It's our life. We make the decisions and look for the red flags. Look for the patterns. I definitely appreciate that one, Greg. So thank you for sharing. There now, my go. sister had a question for you. In an alternative universe, what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing now? I was talking about this yesterday and oh, wow. I believe I'd be an architect. That's when I was a kid. I thought I was going to be an architect. Mm -hmm. and, and then I realized that I kind of had the gift of gab and I wanted to go into sales. And I remember I was 17 years old and I was leaving the house. I just graduated high school. And my dad was standing there and goes, you got to go to college. We'll send you to any university you want. We'll pay for everything. And I says, no, I go, I just want to get into sales. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, boy, you're never going to make a living talking to people. <laughs> Why would he say that for? That's his belief because he was an old school guy. And the first time in sales, I made a hundred grand. I sent him my W-2 and I said, you dad, remember when you said, and obviously now it's a running joke considering that's what I do for a living. Yeah. But the moral is never let another person or yourself talk you out of what you know to be true. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, don't let them talk you out of what youth is believed to be true. Absolutely. What's your opinion in regards to authenticity? Recently on my own journey, I've always been authentic and bold in myself, but um, recently I've been coming into my own light and I'm realizing that, hey, I am who I am. This is um, my energy and not allowing other people's opinions to change me or make me. What's your opinion in regards to you and being authentic to your energy and you? Like, I think we've covered it. I'm just me all the time. Good, mm -hmm. bad, and different. I think majority of the people that meet me um, are not fans of me because <laughs> I am very curt. I'm to the point. I'm direct. And it offends some people. And I understand that. On the same note, I'm just going to be myself. Uh, mm -hmm. To my own self be true. I happen to be 34-year sober guy, right? I don't drink yeah. drugs. It's just the lifestyle. Yeah. I live a clean life. And again, I just truly want to show up as who I am. And then hopefully I can live a life of example rather than promotion. Yeah. All these gurus out there showing how mm -hmm. they are. I'm, that's to me the biggest red flag. Margaret Thatcher had a great quote. If mm -hmm. you have to tell someone you're rich, powerful, or beautiful, you are none of the above. Hmm. Yeah, indeed. And I'm glad that you covered that because it is important. A lot of our audience are starting out in business, putting themselves out there. And sometimes they want to know, do they need to put a facade on? Do they need to put a fancy suit on? Do they need to be, be more bubbly, more positive, whatever? And sometimes the trick is just to be yourself. Um, obviously, likability is very important. Learning how to be more likable rather than being, being completely negative. But um, that's why I asked you the question for anybody out there watching. Well, there's a quote that says, fake it till you make it, and you should just face it till you make it. And also, people love a student mind. So, for example, everything I do, I'm a student's mind. Yeah. I'm never a guru. I'm never an expert. So, for example, I'm right now learning a lot of NFTs. So, people yeah. come to my events and go, look, I'm brand new. We all are. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing in the people that seem to know the most, but it seems to change every other minute. Mm. But what we know right now, here's what we're doing and here's how we're taking action. Same thing with the next, same with the writing books, same with all this stuff. Right now, I've been working on a book called The Secret yeah. of Happiness. Okay. Um, and so I've been interviewing people to find out what the secret of happiness truly is. And it's interesting because you come from a student's mind where mm -hmm. I thought I knew the answer and I've changed my own mind probably four times already. And I was certain I knew the answer. But if you have a student's mind, you're open to what comes next. We have to have a student's mind. There is no such thing as a set truth. And when we come to a belief, it always changes as well. It evolves. And I'm, yeah, I'm talking there's about no such, There's no such thing as truth. Yeah, that's No, that's exactly true. right. So well said. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, Greg. So you said that passion was not important once to me in a private DM. I hope that I quoted you correctly. What did you mean by that? I don't think I said passion is not important. I think what I'm going to share with you is something that's a little discovery okay. for me. So when I wrote all my books and I remember I was going through a divorce, this is a personal yeah. thing, and we're splitting everything up. And by the way, I got the most amazing ex-wife in the world. I know it's nice. Cute, I love my ex-wife. Yeah, she's cool. a great co-parent. And it's funny, her family and my family, we all get together for holidays and her boyfriend and I get along. It's amazing. But was awesome. interesting, we're splitting everything up and I go, man, we should have more stuff. We should have more money than this. And I looked around and I noticed all my books were perseverance, don't quit. Stick, you know, it was all positive mindset. It wasn't about dough. And so that's why I started this book. I did Wealth Made Easy. And I sat down people worth $100 million to a $1 billion for three years to find out what they did, the blueprint. And yeah. one person sat me down and it changed my paradigm. Now, it's going to hurt people's mm -hmm. mind a little bit maybe when I say this. And that's okay. I'm just going to share with you my experience. Mm -hmm. He's worth multi-billions. And I said, why are you so wealthy? And I'm not. I go, I know just the same amount of people. I take the same action. We have hmm. the same time. And he looked at me and says, Greg, it's because you believe all the bullshit lies that you're spreading to the world. And we hope that you continue to do so because you're making us richer. Okay. And I went, wow. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're the greatest purveyor of the greatest lie that's ever been told. And I go, what is that? And he said, to follow your passion hmm. and not a paycheck. Wow. What do you mean? He goes, think about this. He goes, you'll find someone who's in an admiral profession, like a welder. They work their whole life. They retire with a nest egg. They go to a Tony Robbins seminar. They get fired up. They follow their passion to open a yogurt shop. Now, 95% of businesses fail the first year, not because they're not passionate, not because they don't got the dough. It's because they're a welder and they're not a yogurt person. Mm -hmm. and when they go down, since it's their baby, their passion, they hold on too long, like a ships anchor going to the bottom of the ocean and they pull down their car, their house, their boat. We come in and buy that pennies of the dollar. He goes, please keep telling people that he goes, mm -hmm. we're like a game of frogger. We ride a log. And as soon as it dips, we jump to the next log. We can never go down with the ship. It's just business. He goes, okay. we create so much wealth and abundance that we use that money to finance our passion. He goes, you guys just do it in reverse. He goes, the sheiks in the desert and the Gettys who built America had zero passion for crude oil. Yeah. He goes, waste management has no passion for dirty diapers and rotten cheese that pick up your trash. He goes, aggregate dealers have no passion for sand and gravel that built the freeways and the infrastructure. But they built every university, every coliseum, every ballet, everything that you come to love. He goes, me and my friends, we own the coliseums and the football teams mm -hmm. that people following their passion or giving their brain matter on the field, following their love. He goes, yeah. if you think about it and look at this, he goes, every millionaire that ever lost their money, they did it following their passion, but not wow. one billionaire ever lost their fortune because we're smarter than that. Well, that's gold right there. And I appreciate that. And it's a great, great advice that you just had to share with us. I've got a, um, a question for you. So, for example, Tony Robbins, he seems to be really passionate about helping people um, create progress, right? His goal is to help people make progress. Don't, do you think, on another note, that passion does make it easy for some people, such as Tony Robbins, to continue doing what they're doing? Because, like, and this isn't about, it's not a personal pattern. Well, no, let me answer. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a philosopher. I'm an author and a filmmaker. Yeah. And here's what I've discovered. 
if you want to live a purpose-filled life, yeah, passion is most important. If you want to be a teacher, uh, a, a physicist, if you want to be a biologist, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be something like this, passion mm -hmm. is the fuel. But when it comes to wealth and prosperity, yeah, I haven't found that to be the case. Yeah. And if you go back and look at it, even like uh, musicians like Dr. Dre, I'll just use it as an example. He made so much money and got rich doing music, but he got wealthy because he found an opportunity for beats music and did that. If you look at 50 Cent, yes, he got rich doing music, but he became wealthy doing his water. And yeah. if you go back and start peeling that onion of all these different people, they follow this philosophy that we're talking about. You can mm -hmm. do on your passion. You can yeah. live a purpose-filled life. But if you want to be truly wealthy, you have to do things a little different. Great, great point. And you did answer my question. There you go. So you can be passionate about something um, that might make you famous, might make you a little bit of you know money. But then later on, when you want to get super wealthy, well, there's different strategies, just business. Really good tip, Greg. So thank you for sharing now, Greg, do you have one last tip that you can share with our female audience? We're getting started in business. You've shared so much wealth, but is there anything that comes to mind as a mentor that you can say to our audience that might help them along their way? Yeah, one of my favorite interviews came from a poet and a philosopher. He's a boxing legend named Evander Holyfield. Okay. And he won more heavyweight championships than anyone. And I asked him, how did you do it? And he said, I have a higher standard. He said, in sports, I showed up early, I left late, I invented exercises, I had a higher standard, and I won more championships than anyone. I said, but didn't it hurt being in a fight? He says, yeah, it hurts, but when you're in a fight, you don't focus on the pain. You don't focus on the blows. As soon as you do, you end up on your back knocked out. But that's what people do outside the ring. They focus on gas prices, war, economy, mm -hmm. and then they wonder why they never become a champion. And he pulled me and tight. He's an Adonis of a man missing half an ear, bitten off by Mike Tyson. He says, you know what the funny thing is? He says, when you do win the championship, he says, everyone comes to their feet and they chant your name. They raise your hand in victory and a guy puts a big shining belt around your waist. He said, at that moment and at that second, you don't feel even one of the punches you took along the journey. But the guy in the losing locker room will have every bruise, every excuse for the rest of their life, wishing they had a higher standard. The bottom line is surround yourself with people that you have respect for, not people you have influence over. Seek counsel and not opinion. And then draw that imaginary line in the sand and step across and say, it's my turn. Say, I love you, family. I love you, friends. I've done a good job raising you. Now you take care mm -hmm. of you. I'm going to start taking care of me. You draw that line in the sand. And you step across and say, it's my turn. Mm -hmm. I've got that idea for a book or a business or an entrepreneurial spirit. I will not take it to my grave. Mm -hmm. You draw a line in the sand and you step across and you say, it's my turn. And understand this, our greatest success mm -hmm. will come just one step beyond our greatest setback and failure. So when you want to say die and throw in the towel, that's when you kick it in the most. Like mm -hmm. Les Brown says, you got greatness inside of you. Never give up and never surrender. You could be three feet from gold. It's 8 a.m. in the morning. I think Greg just pumped me up for the day as well, guys. Thank you for sharing that, Greg, and um, appreciate that. I've also just read his book, Three Feet from Gold. I've read 50% of it. I've downloaded it on, on um, an audio app. So, guys, if you haven't checked it out, he shares a lot of good advice in that book. So check it out. And, Greg, what other books or movies can people – what are your top three books that girls can go pick that, you know, you, you'd recommend out of all the books that you co-authored, the top three? 
how about focus on ones that I appreciate? So yeah, you know, like Jim Stovall's book. It's What's called that? Jim Stovall. Okay. He wrote a book called The Ultimate Gift. Cool. It is phenomenal. Yeah. If everyone would read this book, I believe that your mindset and life would never be the same. Say that book again so that we can download it. The Ultimate Gift by okay. Jim Stovall. It is a game changer. It's a super short, easy to read book. Love that. And then uh, I'd say Whale Done was was absolutely amazing because it's talking about, you know, being a good steward of your success and making sure you do the very best that you can. Yeah. You know, I believe in closing, we should focus on this yeah. one. Daniel Laporte had this whole concept about non-attachment. Non-attachment is very important to understand as a life philosophy. Detachment means you just don't care. You're detached. But non-attachment means you do everything you can. You do well done. You give it 100%. But when it's done and you bring it to the world, you're not attached to the outcome. It's, that's not your responsibility. So for myself, every time I do these amazing projects, I birth it. Some are successful. Some are not. Yeah. I don't let that stop me or incentivize me. What I do is the very best next project I can do as well. Just mm -hmm. never give up and never surrender. Truly, you got greatness inside of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And um, I want to comment on that. So back in the days when I had a digital marketing agency, when I used to care too much, it was one of my first businesses. When I used to care too much, I used to get um, um, analysis paralysis, you know, fear. What if it's not perfect? What if, you know, the landing page, the website? I used to spend an enormous time, amount of time, wasting time on things like that. But after five, six years, once I started doing so much other stuff and I started caring less to the outcome, I'd get on there, make a quick video, post it on Instagram. There you go. You like it or you don't. Just a video. And I really do. And I told my little sister, it's important. Care less sometimes and don't be so attached to the outcome. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself insane. Yeah, yes. you will drive ourselves crazy. So I did a post the other day and someone, oh, you spelled the word wrong. I go, okay. And they're going to change it? I go, nope. I, go, I love that. It's just a post. I mean, it's not the end of the it's world. It's just a post. Exactly. Just be you. If you went through all my books, I'm sure there's typos and misspelled. I, I can't. It's I just doubt like, it. Don't you get a ghostwriter for that? I do, but still it goes through a process. But yeah. still sometimes people are people and human error makes, you know, human mistakes. But the main thing is I don't get caught up in that. I just work on the next project and do the very best that I possibly can. And again, not attached to the outcome. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I look no forward worries, to Greg. Uh, awesome having you on as well. And um, everybody, the links are going to be down there if you want to follow Greg and check him out.